name's Sid Garza Hillman, and this is what I think. As I mentioned in last week's episode, I, I go by feel on this podcast. When I feel like talking about something, I do it. I don't know what day it is or care uh, or time. The downside of that model is that I was speaking, I did a, my first pod, uh, VegFest appearance in a long time. It was virtual still, but it was fun. Uh, the World VegFest in San Francisco. If I were a good marketer, I would have done the podcast before that appearance and then talked about it. Instead, I'm doing it after and have nothing to announce because I don't, they, I'm assuming they recorded it. I have no idea. Little, little, uh, little, a little shine of the light into my ability or disability when it comes to marketing. However, to balance that shortfall, I will say that I'm drinking this morning. Bu- buckle in, by the way, for this announcement because it's pretty big. Um, it was, uh, it is a blend, I know, and I roasted it at the same time. I didn't even roast one type and then the other type and then blend. I just put both of them in the roaster at the same time, got it to a dark, and it's a. you can tell the difference between the two beans because they didn't quite get the same amount of darkness. Costa Rican and uh, Mexican, fair trade organic. Maybe, this is why you should buckle it, maybe the best coffee I've ever had in my life. And I, even of the roasts I've done, and I'm just telling you, when you roast your own coffee, that's the best coffee you'll ever have, period. And I've been to Italy. They got nothing on me. Um, and so anyways, blending it, isn't that amazing? So here's, here's what I thought. This is, this is also could be pretty cool. So, um, I'm gonna do a little contest and the publisher of six truths was going to do this. And I don't know what happened. And I don't, again, the marketing thing, not my, not my forte, but they were going to do like a contest when the book came out where like if you buy six trues, you get a, a little bit of my home roast, you know, like a half pound of my home roast. It never, it never materialized. So I'm going to do it here. I'm going to do it here. I'm going to do it here. Once, by the way, somebody won a Nutty Nut Nut shirt by guessing the subject of my new book. That was a few weeks ago. This one is if you buy six truths starting now on whatever day this is that you're listening to this and the first person who buys it and, and emails me the receipt podcast at sidgarzahillman.com half a pound of my coffee this blend costa rica i'm just bought 10 pounds of each i'm so happy with this blend it's like it's like insane half pound each the costa rican and the uh, mexican fair trade organic okay that's what happens now so you buy six truths for a gift or whatever you want to do send me the receipt uh, email me the thing here's what i did it i bought it and i'll and you send me your address and i'll send you a half a pound of my coffee home roasted within i will roast it and mail it either the same day or the next day. I'm not even kidding. Mm. Let's talk about uh, Dave Chappelle for a second. And this is not the subject of this episode, by the way. The subject of this episode is uh, later. Chappelle has a new special out called The Closer. It's on Netflix. Do I think you should watch it? I do. I think you should watch it. Do I think that people are quitting Netflix Uh, and getting angry for not a super justified reason. Yes, I do. I do. I do not agree. Now, on some level, do I think that Dave Chappelle has a problem with trans? I do. I probably, and here's the thing, but but here's here's the thing. First of all, my opinion doesn't matter in this arena. Secondly, I don't know Dave Chappelle personally. 
I know this about him. He's a comedian. And I would say an important comedian, probably the most important comedian alive today, I'm is one one of the Louis C.K., by the way, probably would be in that list too, but then he had, you know, whatever. But he's still the commentary on the world. Some comedians are like, and then my mom walked in the door, (laughs) you know, and then other ones are sort of shining, putting a mirror up to society and calling things into question and making people think about stuff and also laughing at the same time. Chappelle squarely falls into onto that side of the, of the comedy picture. I watched the special. I, I, my opinion is that I think he is not inciting violence. Good Lord. That's insane. I think people are way too sensitive about this kind of thing. I think the conversation needs to be had and he, and you can disagree with him and you can not watch him. That's, that's, that's the deal. This whole cancel thing is insane. It's crazy and it pisses me off, but, um, he, in the special, there's nothing over, unless I miss something. Now I know what you're saying. You're saying, Sid, of course you don't think there's a problem because you're watching this as a, wait for it, bald guy. Now I knew that's what you were going to say. And you always, you guys always go there. I don't, I get to not have an opinion because I'm bald. And therefore, since Dave Chappelle's bald, then, then I, I'm just going to agree with everything. I know that's how you think. And I don't think that's true. I, I just, I don't think that's fair. Even I don't get a voice because I'm bald, you know, Jeff Bezos and I, Dave Chappelle, right? I mean, Joe Rogan, the, the whole spectrum of bald and we don't get to have any opinions. That's, that's not fair. That's not fair at all. Mm. Watch the special. Watch the special, and if it pisses you off, good. Then you behave in your life, knowing more strongly how you how you stand, where you stand on this on this issue. It doesn't seem to me, and unless I just miss something, that he's going. You should hate. It's not. In fact, he finishes the. I don't even want to give it away. Watch the special, will you? For crying out loud. And then send me an email and get all pissed at me about it. This has got, it's, it's got, to, it's got to stop at some point. Here's what happens when somebody is on the PC police, it's just, it's just, just on, just on fire of ready to nail you on anything. It may, here's the 10 year old boy in me. It makes me want to say more shit. That's inappropriate. That my response when somebody is on top of me about waiting, just watching for the mistake that's going to be made. It makes me want to, to say stuff that pisses people off. Isn't that amazing? I don't act on it all the time. Sometimes I do. I will tell you. I've worked for people. I fired a guy once years ago when I was managing a restaurant. And because he was so on top of everybody else that they, he, he was causing people to make mistakes. I mean, having somebody just over your shoulder, just on your ass all the time actually makes you nervous and you can't focus and you make a mistake. Then he would get pissed at the person for making a mistake. And I was like, back the fuck off. And I, and I fired him. Mm, star got made into my manager. He'd been there for five years. Five weeks after I was a manager, I fired him. Mm. Don't mess with me. Don't mess with me. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Thanks to everybody who patreons me, buys the book, Small Steppers, six part video series, Rancher Commission is a farm sanctuary. I think you should support it. I don't like to say shoulds. Do you want to support it? Didn't support it. But, but seriously, thank you. And I kind of gloss over the thanks for the Patreoners, but you know that you guys mean a lot to me. And we're going to do a, a little hangout, a live Q&A hangout. If you guys want to come on, even three bucks a month, you get to do a, like an exclusive Patreoner thing where we all hang out and ch- chat about stuff, talk about music sometimes. Kind of fun. 
kind of fun. It got more fun during COVID because it was like, you know, we were like dying for social things, you know? So it was like live Q and A is fine. But then when you can't actually socialize with anybody, even in person, they were like, this is is great for me anyways. Okay. So, uh, the episode title right now on my piece of paper says too tired to relate. By the time you listen to it, I may have changed that title because I don't really like it that much, but I might keep it. I don't know. It depends on how lazy or not I am in the next 10 minutes after I finish this episode. I just had my 27th, 27 wedding anniversary, 27th wedding anniversary. So I thought I would talk about relationships in this episode because it very much relates to the work I do. And sometimes literally like the people I'm working with, you're using my approach to help their relationships. I am not a marriage counselor, never said I was, but I will say that like everything else I talk about, parenting and eating well and doing all the things you wanna do, you you execute your life better when you are managing your stress better. And that goes for relationships too. So people are using this approach to say, well, I, my, my, it's something they want to f- improve, like somebody improving their diet, but they want to improve their relationships. And so they use this approach to that end. They don't say, what should I tell my husband? I go, I'm, fucking, I'm not a marriage counselor. That might be worthwhile for you to get into marriage counseling, but that's not my thing. But if you know how to use this approach and sort of eh, whatever, I'm getting into that. Okay. So 27 year anniversary, <clears throat> but I want to tell a little story first because my wife, Lisa, of the 27 years of this anniversary, and, and, I'm, and I'll tell you what I mean by this anniversary, she's forgotten 25 of the 27 years. The last two years she's remembered. So I feel like we've finally kind of gotten over the, the precipice and we're sort of, we're finally committed to a long-term relationship, I feel like. Mm. The reason why it's this relationship is because we, back in the day, 27 years ago, I graduated from UCLA and I was playing music. I was a musician and, and um, just kind of doing my thing. I wasn't acting yet. So I was working at audiovisual services at UCLA. I talked about this in Six Truths, by the way. But um, we were pl- engaged and we were planning our wedding, but she didn't have health insurance. And I did because I was working at UCLA. So I was like, why don't we just get married? Because we're getting married anyways. We're planning the wedding. Let's just get do the thing. Get married legally and then we'll have our wedding which we did we had a nice wedding with the, the whole thing the thing it was at a museum super cool santa cruz we got married at a museum love freaking amazing loved it but anyways so we go we got to get married we're going to get married get the health insurance so we go to because you know health insurance in this country is so fantastic um so we go to we find a wedding chapel it's called albertson's wedding chapel probably still there on wilshire boulevard wilshire boulevard right in the middle of la and so we booked this time. I actually have no memory of getting the license. I feel like he handled the whole deal at the chapel. I think he did. I don't think we got the license first at a courthouse. And then I, I don't actually remember. But I remember showing up. We had about four friends with us, like our you know closest friends. And we went in and we were dressed up. And we went to Albertson's Wedding Chapel. Now, this place was stellar. I will tell you this. I will say one sentence that will, that will give you a full idea of the class level of this place and the, how important it was culturally. Rodney King got married at this chapel. I got married in the same chapel as Rodney King. Now I say chapel loosely, so here's why. So I walk in, we get in there, and we're hanging out with our friends and the, there's this old guy behind the counter and we said, hey, we're here for the wedding. We made a you know appointment and he goes, oh yes, he has a, has a kind of an accent. And he goes, okay, here you sign this and then you sign this. And and then he kind of goes, he, he, just, he just kind of walks away slowly behind this, he just out of sight. He just walks into the back 
into the back. He was always like, I'm going to go into the back. That's what he did. He went, I'm going to go into the back. And he comes back out in full robes. He's the dude. He's not only the front desk dude, he's the, he's the dude. He's the minister. He's the officiant. So he comes out full robes. We follow him into the <clears throat> quote unquote chapel which is in the middle of a building. There's no, there's no, other than the door to the, to the street, there's no windows. And yet the side of the chapel has stained glass windows that are obviously fake. Um, and we're walking AstroTurf on the ground, on the, on the floor, AstroTurf, and then just chairs and whatever. We didn't have the many guests. So we stand up at the thing and we're standing there and he, and, and he's getting to started, but then he's not ready yet. Cause he says, Oh no, you have to stand the right. He looks down and there are, outlines of feet shoe outlines in tape on the floor because he needs you to stand in a very specific place you can't stand an inch or on either side you have to get your foot into the outline of the foot because that's the way things are done in albertson's wedding chapel i'm guessing my foot was standing in the exact i can say this the exact same place as rodney king's literally the exact same place because there was no wiggle room it was there he begins the the uh, ceremony, and the whole thing is so absurd that Lisa and I start laughing because it's just a little bit hilarious. But then just as quickly, we stop laughing because we realized as absurd as this was, and it was sort of minimized, like we're just getting the license. We were actually getting married, and there was a transition there of, of laughing a little bit uncontrollably because it was so weird and funny to holy crap, this is, we are actually getting married here. The ritual of the marriage later was the wedding for no, no doubt. Like that was the, in terms of society and our families and the kind of outward, we didn't really talk about the whole license thing until years later. We told our folks like technically we were married already, but there was that transition of like, this is real. That was 27 years ago. And again, so it's not the wet. She's never forgotten the wedding anniversary. That's in April, but the marriage anniversary, twenty, the first 25 years of 27 years, she forgot. I'm just noting that because I just, there's a level of commitment I would appreciate and I haven't felt it until 25 years in. I was like, okay, so you're in this then. Mm. This coffee is so good. This coffee is so good that we did a little pot this morning, but then I did an AeroPress because the AeroPress is just the whole thing that brings the thing out of the thing. Like that's the AeroPress. The pot of coffee is great. I have a Technivorm. It's a great machine. It does a great pot of coffee. Great pot of coffee. And there's no doubt about that, but not the AeroPress. Okay? Hard Relationships are hard work. Gosh, Sid, that is brilliant. The way that you got really deep on that and you said relationships are hard work, that is amazing. Here's my point. Okay? I know it's trite. I, get, I got it. All I'm saying is this. The same delir- deleterious effect of phoning in your life in any way in going by kind of just letting things be as they may is the exact same effect on relationships as it is to diet i know that's a weird weird way to relate those two things but exercise if we do not pay attention we fail and and so the point of a relationship and going 27 years and, and I have a good marriage. Now, could I be lying? Of course I could. You don't know me personally. I could have the worst marriage in the world. So you're just gonna have to take this for yay or nay. Don't know. Be, agree with me or not. It's like Chappelle. You don't know me personally. You can be like, yeah, you know what? He kind of said some stupid shit, but maybe he's not. And personally, he's fine. I don't know. 
I have a very good relationship. I, I will say that wholeheartedly, like a very good relationship. Is it perfect? Don't know, don't care. And here's why, because you guys know how I feel about perfection if you read my books. Either get rid of the word perfection or really define perfection, like really define perfection. Because if I were to, to define perfection of a relationship without thinking about things for five seconds, I would go, well, we always get along 100% of times and we always are in a great mood and we, are, oh, we never argue, not once, not once. And then I would be describing some weird... I don't even know caricature of a relationship with two human beings that probably aren't that smart, probably don't talk. If I were to define a, a healthy and perfect relationship, if I were to think about it past five seconds, I would say, well, we, we were two intelligent people and we relate really well and we communicate really well. Of course, we argue because we're living in the same house and we're under stress and we have jobs and we have kids and it's hard to maintain a healthy, happy family thing. So it takes a lot of work and sometimes we're just worn out and we get in arguments, but we always, you know, get over, we apologize and we admit when we're wrong and we move on and we grow and we also pay attention to our relationship independent of the kids and we spend time... That's what I would do five seconds later. And so either throw perfection away and don't even deal with it or define it and really know what that means and really know what that means. Not even like if I were shooting for the moon, I would say no arguments. It doesn't exist. It's like saying my perfect life would be I never make mistakes. It doesn't exist. It's in the design of our species. You, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to argue with people. If you communicate with them, if you're living in the same house for crying out loud, I mean, good Lord, it's just what it is. But I find, as it relates to relationships and also just in terms of individuals working toward the betterment of themselves, there's a strength and courage in, in at least trying for perfection, trying for it. And, 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 and in, in doing so, defining it, like I said. Now, I will say a perfect relationship would be I don't argue all the time. We argue once in a while. That would be, per that would be perfect, once in a while, which is pretty darn close to, the tr to, to how it is for us because we work our asses off to do it, but there's a strength and courage in trying for it, in knowing that you'll never reach it potentially, but trying for it anyways. And it, it gets, it gets, you know, I can see on some level, like I never want to argue. There's no doubt about that. So on some level, you could even say, I guess perfection would be, we communicate so well that we never actually get into our argument. That's fine too. But that's probably a tall order and who gives a crap anyway if you don't get there. And that's my real point here. There is the strength and courage is in trying for something, the, the ideal of something and knowing you'll never reach that ideal. As I say in six truths, happiness is in the A to Y. It's not in the Z. It's in the, it is, it does live not in the goal and the thing that you hit the, the run that you finished on that day. That's amazing. It's exciting. It's awesome. That race that you did, but day to day, it's the, it's the, what are you doing day to day that adds up to, to happiness? And the question, I guess for everybody is why would we try to reach something that will always be out of reach? You know, why, why, why is that? Why, in fact, why do we even get into things like relationships that are very difficult? Why do we have kids, which are super difficult? You know, it's hard to have a family. Why do we do that? Well, because on the balance, those things are more worth, there's more value in them than the work it takes to, to achieve them. It's fine. We are willing to put in the hard work on some level because we know the overall value of that thing. Same thing with the relationship. I mean, it's much easier to, you know, go from, 
crush to crush in terms of relationships. It's much easier to go from diet to diet to just always stay in that excitement realm. The difficulty is when the excitement dissipates a little bit and then you're left with, what do I have? You know, it's easy to go, I just, I ink my relationship on Valentine's Day, the one day of year that I express my love and buy something, some, something for somebody else and then it's fine. And then 364 days, it's sort of a shit show. But, that, but Valentine's Day, by gum, that's the thing. Why in the world do we ever try to reach for this? Why when we know it's ultimately out of reach, that some weird idea of perfection or some weird idea of how we would ideally like it, it's fine. But why would we ever reach for that knowing that we'll never get that? And here's why I think, because on some level, we know that we are defined by what we're shooting for, not by what we hit. We are defined by what we are moving toward. That is what defines us. It's what we're trying for. It's like the person super out of shape running, going for a run. That person is the brave and courageous one. It's They are trying for something better than they have. It's it, the same out of shape person can be sitting on a couch and the other person's running on a street and very different people, not because of how they are in that moment, but but because of what they're working for in their lives. That is what defines us. And that takes thinking to define what you want. What are your ideals? What are you moving toward? And that is related to your rela- all the relationships that you have, including your children, your spouses, your friends, your coworkers. What is that ideal? And what are you doing every day as much as possible to hit it?
you have been so high Swung down so low I've stopped trying to even things I finally see how this goes Go. Cool.